Amen, Lord Jesus. We are so blessed to know You, to know Your presence with us now. As we come to Your Word, we open our hearts to You, great God. We wanna be a people ready to respond in obedience for all You have for us. We pray this in Jesus' Name. Amen. Please be seated. Church, we are really blessed to have um, Jason Ellsmore sharing with us this morning. Jason is the Director of our QB movement and he's also the Senior Pastor of Gateway Baptist Church. And Jason, I wanna say a massive thanks for taking time to come and share with us today. Um, Jason's actually been travelling all around the state. He's on a massive trek around the state just sharing with pastors and leaders about some of the visions and plans for next year. And we just wanna say, Jason, what a blessing it is. How thankful we are for you stepping in to this role and following God's call for our friendship as well. Um, Jason's also the senior pastor of Gateway Baptist and we just love that connection we have with you guys across our city. And uh, we just wanna let you know that we're right with you and for you and um, just so glad to see what God is doing right across our state. And so church, can we give a really warm Bridgman welcome to Jason as he comes to share with us. Thank you, Nathan, and uh, thank you, Bridgie. It's always uh, great to be here. There's a special relationship, as Nathan said, between uh, Bridgie and Gateway. You've been very gracious in allowing us to plant a, uh, a campus in uh, the city, in uh, your building that uh, God has uh, provided for you. And it's just a beautiful partnership that I think is a great uh, witness uh, to our city as two churches join together uh, to reach out to so many people who need Jesus. I, uh, I'm always encouraged when I come here. I've been going around the state, as Nace said, trying to uh, encourage uh, churches that, uh, and not all uh, churches, uh, you know, just seeing the, the, the blessing and the favour of God and seeing people come to faith, able to give out two and a half thousand hampers uh, to their local community. And there is just a great move of God in this place. There's great heart. And I've seen it since the minute I arrived in Queensland 17 years ago. It's just a great heart to reach out to this local community. But I just wanna encourage you today. I also believe there's a blessing on this church that's gonna go well beyond the Bridgman community. As we're worshipping this morning, I just, uh, that, that picture of Isaiah 6 just uh, came into my mind as Isaiah uh, worships in the temple and just, uh, you know, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty and there's the place was just filled with the presence of God, with the glory of God. And Isaiah says, you know, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. But in the presence of God, God raises him up, God picks him up and he says, here I am, Lord, send me to be a blessing, send me to speak your word. And I just believe there's gonna be people that walk into this place from churches right across our nation and they're gonna encounter the presence of God they're gonna have moments where it's woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, I'm a person, I'm unworthy. But God is gonna encourage them in this place. God is gonna pick them up. God is gonna build them up and put faith into them to go back to their local community and share the good news of Jesus. This is a, a house of encounter. It's a house of encouragement. Can I hear a little amen this morning? You wanna be part of that? God, this morning, as we open your word, would you encourage us today? Would you fill us with faith, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. I wanna ask you today, when is the last time that you were truly astonished? When's the last time you were truly astonished? 
I gotta be honest, I'm absolutely astonished that I'm in this role as the director of the Queensland Baptist Movement. I did not see that coming. There's been a prayer in my heart to, uh, to encourage the church in, in this nation for a number of years now, but I didn't think this would be the way that God would bring it about. And I'm just incredibly humbled and honoured that God has placed me uh, into this role in uh, this season, but I still find it astonishing. I'm astonished by the grace of God. I'm astonished that I'm old enough to be a grandpa. This is my uh, little granddaughter uh, up on the screen, Aurelia. And come on, do I look old enough to be a grandpa? Uh, Half of you said yes. But Susan, my wife, she's old enough to be a grandma. She turned 50 this year. I'm only 49. She's going to be delighted that I'm telling the whole church uh, about about that. She tells me uh, that she looks younger than me. Put your hand up if you agree uh, that that is true. That is true. I have a beautiful wife and we've got this beautiful little granddaughter. I'm astonished at how much joy this little two-year-old can bring to our lives. I'm astonished by our family. You know, I've got, this might be a picture of my family up on screen. You know, I've got a son who can dance. He can move his body to music. You know, in the first song when you all started clapping, I was struggling to keep in time. I can't clap in time. My body can't move to music. You know, I wanted to pay someone to do the bridal waltz with Susan, you know, on our wedding. I'm the worst dancer in Australia, but, but he has won a national hip hop championship when he was at school. He can dance. I've got a daughter who's an incredible artist. You know, she's done artwork on cafes in a couple of nations uh, around the world. She's just a beautiful artist. I can't draw a stick, man. You know, it's astonishing, you know, that she's my daughter. You know, I'm, I'm astonished that I've got a daughter that's actually old enough, you know, to produce this beautiful uh, grandchild that we have. Absolutely astonishing. I'm astonished by family. I'm astonished by technology. My eldest daughter, Jess, won her first ever uh, grand final in sport this year. And so I went along, might be a picture on the screen of her winning a grand final. And she's always complaining that I never post anything about her on Instagram. So I made sure I got a photo with her and the team. And she's getting her trophy. I'm posting it onto Instagram. And some of her friends, 20-something-year-old friends sitting next to me, she said, make sure you tag Jess in your post. And I looked at her and I said, I don't know how. And they all wet their pants laughing that I didn't know, you know, how to tag someone in a post. Come on, put your hand up if you don't know how to tag someone in an Instagram post. Come and see me later. It's astonishing what I can do with technology. You know, as we read through the Gospels, we we see that people are constantly astonished by Jesus constantly astonished by what Jesus can do. You know, Jesus teaches the Sermon on the Mount and those words have become quite familiar to us. But 2,000 years ago, what Jesus taught had never been heard before. The idea of loving your enemies and blessing those who persecute you and turning the other cheek had never been heard before in that culture. 
But these words have actually influenced our Western culture in such a powerful way that they've actually become quite familiar words to us. But as the people are hearing it for the first time ever at the end of the, uh, of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter seven, it says that the people were astonished. They were astonished at Jesus' teaching because it wasn't like the teaching of the teachers of the law. He taught with authority and they were astonished at his teaching. A little while later, Jesus is in a boat with his disciples and the wind and the waves come up and there's water splashing over the boat and the disciples are absolutely terrified. They've never been to swimming lessons. There's no life jackets on the boat. And so eventually Jesus is asleep at the front of the boat and they go and wake him up and he stands up and he actually speaks to the wind and to the waves and says, be still. And they obeyed him. And it says, you know, in that story that the disciples were astonished. Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You know, he's starting to get a bit of a reputation for healing, going from town to town, village to village, healing every disease and sickness. And people start to, to gather whenever Jesus comes into town and Jesus is in Peter's house and the place is packed with people wanting to get healed. And there's these four blokes who've got a mate who's never been able to walk and they carry him on a mat to Jesus. But when they get there, they can't get in the door, but they're so determined to get him to Jesus that they walk up onto Peter's roof and they dig a hole in Peter's roof. I don't know whether they questioned whether Peter thought this was a good idea or not, but they dig a hole in his roof and they start lowering him down on a mat on four ropes to Jesus. And Peter's looking up at this gaping hole in his roof and he's on the phone to his insurance company speaking to someone you know, in a call centre in another country trying to explain you know, that this is an act of God because Jesus is in the room. And uh, you know, this guy who's never walked in his life, his legs have never worked, who had to get lowered on a mat through the roof. Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. Rise, get up, pick up your mat. And this guy who's never walked because his legs have never worked, picks up his mat and walks out the door. And it says the people in the room were astonished. It astonished everyone in the room. You know, who is this man? They've never seen anything like this before. Jesus is walking down the road and he heals two blind guys who've never been able to see. And then he casts a demon out of a man who's been left mute and he can speak for the first time in his life. And all of the crowds gathering around, you know, look at what's just happened as this man begins to speak. And the crowd was, say it with me, the crowd was? They're astonished. You know, right the way through the Gospels, we see people are astonished by Jesus. It's actually the word thamazo. It's a Greek word. And if you've got a, a, a new NIV version of the Bible, it'll actually be translated amazed. If you've got an older version of the NIV, it'll normally be translated astonished. If you're really old enough to be a grandparent and you read the, the King James, it'll be translated marveled. 
But I love the word astonished, so I'm sticking with astonished uh, whenever we read the word thamazo. People were constantly, as we read through the gospel, they were thamazoed, they were astonished by Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm regularly astonished by Jesus. I'm astonished that the one who fashioned the world with his hands would clothe himself in flesh and become one of us. It's astonishing. I'm astonished that the one who cast stars into orbit would actually enter into our orbit and cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. I'm astonished that he who knew no sin would become sin for us, for you and me. So so that we could become the righteousness of God. We could become right with God. That is astonishing. Amen. People are regularly astonished by Jesus. But only twice in the Gospels is Jesus astonished by other people. Twice in the Gospels, Jesus is thamazoed by other people. First one's in Matthew chapter eight. I'm just gonna read the first part of the story to you. It says, Matthew eight, verse five, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes. And I tell that one come and he comes. I I say to my servant, do this and he does it. Just before we read the end of the story, I just want you to understand a little bit about this centurion. The centurion was an officer in the Roman army and he had a century, he had a hundred soldiers under him. That's how he got his name. The centurion you know, was a law enforcer. It was his job to enforce Roman law you know, in that part of Capernaum where this story is happening. You know, he was a peacekeeper. It was his job to make sure the peace of Rome actually you know, happened in that patch, in that part you know, of his world. And so he used his power to be a peacekeeper. And if anyone was trying to overthrow you know, the peace of Rome, it was his, he had power and authority to put a stop to it. In the, this region of Capernaum, this guy had incredible power and authority and everybody knew it. You only had to look at him. This is what he would have uh, looked like, something like this. You only had to look at him to see that he had power and authority. You know, he, he had a, uh, a special fancy tunic that no other soldiers got to wear. You know, he had a short stick, you know, on his belt to whack people with. He had a, a big long sword to slay people with. And he had a ridiculous looking helmet with a broom on top, you know, on his head, which would have been very handy when you were riding your bike in Brisbane magpie season. You know, last, 
last spring, thankfully it didn't happen this spring, but last spring I was riding my bike, you know, uh, uh, through near where I live and it's too late. I heard the flutter of wings, too late and whack, I got a magpie, whack me on the back of the ear, blood going everywhere. I really wish I had that helmet on my head, you know, at that moment. Only a few days later, I was going for a run in a park near where I live and there was some people who were old enough to be my grandparents. They were quite elderly walking their little dash hound and they were getting attacked by plovers and they were so startled as their dog was getting attacked by plovers. I went to help them, but all I had to attack them with was the cap on my head. So I'm standing there waving this cap around, trying to scare these plovers off while these old people, you know, walked away. I was really wishing at that moment I had that centurion stick to whack those plovers with. A few days later, I'm swimming in our local pool and I'm getting to the end of uh, the lane and I'm just about to touch the end and I just feel this whack on the back of my head. And it felt like someone had dived into the pool, but they'd mistimed their dive and their foot had caught me on the back of the head. And I stood up and I looked around to see who the perpetrator was and I couldn't see anybody in sight. I thought, that's really weird. Got to the end, swam back to the other end. As I'm coming back to that end again, I'm just a stroke or two out for the end and whack on the back of my head. This time I look up and I see this big angry mother duck sitting on the side of the pool and every time I got to that end of the pool where her ducklings were she was dive bombing me and hitting me with her beak on the back of my head and by that stage I was so angry with these birds attacking me from the air I really wish I was swimming with that centurion sword I was ready to shish kebab you know that dark I was done this centurion he had power and he had authority. No one attacked him. He was the man in town with the power and the authority. Today in Brisbane, it'd be someone in a blue uniform with a gun on their holster and a badge on their chest. But in Capernaum, there was a dude with a fancy tunic, a stick, a sword, and a funny helmet on his head. And when he spoke a word, everybody did what he said. Not only did he have power and authority, but he had connections. As a centurion, he had direct access to Caesar. He was also a very wealthy man. As a centurion, you earned 20 times the pay of other soldiers. He had connections, he had wealth, and he was a kind man. He was a loving man. He actually loved the people of Israel. He was a philanthropist and he gave a significant amount of money to build their synagogue when he didn't have to. He was a man of power and authority. He was a man with connections. He was a man with wealth. He was a man that loved the people of Israel and he was a man who loved his servant. As a centurion, You weren't allowed to get married and have your own family. You were serving the empire. And so this servant has actually become like family to him. He loved him and he was sick. He was suffering terribly. He was paralyzed, it said. 
Now this man with all of his power, with all of his authority, with all of his connections to, to higher powers, you know, with all of his wealth, he could do nothing to heal this servant that he loved. And walking down off the mountain after giving his sermon on the mount comes Jesus, who's a peasant carpenter. He's not wearing any fancy clothes. He has no worldly wealth. He has no connections you know, to, to worldly powers. And yet he'd started healing people and word had got around. And some centurions would have driven Jesus out of town. But this centurion was interested in what Jesus did. In fact, he was more than interested. He comes and kneels at Jesus' feet with his need and says, my servant is sick and nobody can heal him. And Jesus says, do you want me to come and heal him? And the centurion says, I don't deserve to have you, man of God, come under my roof, but you just say the word and it will happen. This is what Jesus says when he hears this. If you keep going, it says, when Jesus heard this, he was, have a guess, he was astonished. And he said to those following him, truly I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And at that moment, his servant was healed. This is one of two times that Jesus was astonished. Jesus, the one who threw stars into space. You know, the one who speaks to the wind and the waves. You know, Jesus, you know, the one who raises the dead looks at this man's faith and he is astonished at his great faith. It's one of two times in the Gospels that Jesus is astonished and he's astonished at the great faith of the centurion because this has never happened before. At this point in the Gospels, Jesus has never healed a Gentile before. Hasn't happened. No one on earth has ever seen it. And Jesus has never healed from a distance before. Jesus is healed with mud in someone's eyes. Jesus is healed with a touch. Jesus is healed by, by, by praying and speaking healing over someone who's right there in front of him. But Jesus has never healed a Gentile and he's never healed from a distance before. Now, it didn't surprise Jesus that he could do this but it surprised Jesus that this man had faith, that he could do what no one had ever seen before. You see, astonishing faith is when you believe that God will do what you've never seen before. Astonishing faith is when you believe that God will do what you've never humanly seen before. It's only one other time in the Gospels that Jesus is astonished. And it's in Mark chapter six. If you wanna turn your, your Bible there and uh, verse three, he's come to his hometown, to Nazareth. He's beginning to minister to people there. He's beginning to preach in the synagogue. He's beginning to pray for people. But then in verse three of Mark six, the people of Nazareth said, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offence at him. And Jesus said to them, the prophet is not without honour except in his own town among his relatives and in his own home. 
And it says he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them, which is a pretty good day in the office for me, but not for Jesus. And verse six, it says, he was, he was, let's come on one more time, he was at their lack of faith. It's the only two times Jesus gets astonished in all the gospels. It's the only two times Jesus is thamazoed by other people. First time is a centurion who comes and humbly kneels before him and asks him to do what no one has ever seen before and he's astonished at his great faith. And the second time is in his hometown when the people are so familiar with him. He's just Joseph and Mary's boy. He's just the carpenter. He's just the brother of of James and Judas and Simon. And they actually don't want him in town. They're offended by him. And Jesus is astonished at their lack of faith. You know, sometimes when we read these stories, we forget about the unnamed people in the community. Now we forget about that servant whose name we do not know. But because of the great faith of the centurion, he was healed in an instant. But in Nazareth, where they had, where Jesus is astonished at their lack of faith, he could only heal a few people. And so the people in the community who remain unnamed, remain unhealed, remain unset free, remain unsaved. You see, our faith actually has an impact on what happens in the community of Bridgman. Our faith across all of our churches in Queensland has an impact on what God does in the communities of people who desperately need Jesus in all of the towns and villages in Queensland and around this nation. I don't know about you, but I kind of like Jesus to be astonished at my great faith rather than my lack of faith. Can I hear an amen this morning? You know, Jesus has done some astonishing things that greatly encouraged me. You know, one of the great encouragements of my life is to be part of a ministry called Bloom in Cambodia where girls have been rescued from sex trafficking and girls that have often been locked up in a dungeon from often the age of 10 or 12 and just brought out to, to pleasure men, this evil industry in the world. I've seen girls that have lived in darkness their whole lives hear about the good news of Jesus and his light has shone into their hearts and he's begun to heal them one day at a time and they've begun to create things of beauty and they've been trained up to earn an income which changes their family line. Every time I go there, I'm just reminded that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power for salvation for anyone who believes. The gospel of Jesus has power to put hope and light and love in any life. But it's not just out in the mission field that Jesus does astonishing things. We've seen astonishing moves of God in this city, in this nation in the past. Do you know in 1959, more people gathered at the MCG to hear Billy Graham preach the gospel 
than have been in any other stadium in Australia for any sporting match in a sport mad nation in this nation. 143,000 people gathered in the MCG to hear Billy preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here in Brisbane, there was, there was night after night, they came to hear the gospel. On the last night at the Brisbane Exhibition Ground, that photo was just up on the screen. 80,000 people gathered in Brisbane. But across those two weeks, there, there was actually 291,000 people in Brisbane in a population at the time of 600,000. You know, across the nation in 1959, one third of the Australian population came to hear the gospel. Here in Brisbane, 10,661 people put their faith in Christ and were discipled in a local church. I tell you, what if one third of the Australian population came to hear the gospel in our time, in our generation? Eight and a half million people coming to hear the gospel. Why can't it happen? It's happened before, it can happen again. Jesus is looking for people who believe that He can do something that we've never seen in our lifetime before. Come on, who here in this room got saved at Billy Graham uh, uh, crusade in either 59, 69 or 79? Just put your hand in the air, have a look around at those hands. There is transformation that's happened in lives in this room. It's gone on through family generations. It's happened before, it can happen again. And sometimes it starts with just some pretty simple actions from ordinary people like you and me. There's a photo of my grandfather, Frank. He's a, a man I loved. He uh, came back from World War II and he um, didn't know Jesus, never been to church, but he had a neighbour named Frank who kept inviting him to church and my grandfather Frank kept saying no. He couldn't remember how many times he said no, but he said no a lot of times until in 1952, neighbour Frank came to my grandfather Frank and said, I've just bought a new car. And you've got to remember 1952, my grandfather had never had a car in his life at that point. He said, if you come to church with me on Sunday night, I'll let you drive my car. <laughs> my grandfather changed his mind. And he went to church and he said it was the first time he'd ever heard the gospel. And it was the first time he ever understood that he was a sinner who needed a saviour. And I still got his baptism certificate or his confession of faith certificate in my Bible. It says, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, believing this with all my heart and resting wholly upon the finished work of Jesus for salvation. I confess my faith in Him at Epping Church of Christ on the Lord's Day, July the 5th, 1952. Frank Ellsmore, a sinner saved by grace. Now my grandfather passed away 25 years ago, but my grandmother only passed away two years ago at the age of 99. And when we gathered to celebrate her life and her legacy, we had to fight over who was going to lead her funeral because seven of us in our family are full-time pastors in the local church somewhere in Australia. And every... Every single person in that room, four generations, is a follower of Jesus Christ somewhere in a local church in Australia. How did that happen? Because one old geezer named Frank kept inviting my grandfather, Frank, to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. It transformed his life, it's transformed our family for four generations and I believe it's gonna keep transforming our family for generations to come. 
Just ordinary people doing simple things with faith in what Jesus can do. Just yesterday, I was meeting with all of our multicultural and ethnic pastors down in Logan. I heard a great story of one, from one of our Romanian Baptist churches. The pastor was saying they one of his members was in the shops just across the road. You can see it out the back window of the church. And he was in the shops just a couple of years ago and he heard someone speaking Romanian. And he was so excited. He went up to him, introduced himself, never met him before. After talking for five minutes, he said, hey, we got a Romanian church across the road. You'd be welcome anytime you wanna come. This man who wasn't a Christian eventually came and came to faith. And then a little while later, his wife came to faith. A little while later, two of their kids came to faith, but there was a son that was holding out. And during COVID got stuck in Sydney when the borders were closed, but he started asking questions about faith and this Romanian pastor has been discipling him on Zoom in Sydney, you know, for the last uh, six or nine months and he is getting baptised in that church as soon as the borders open up and he can come back to Queensland. How did that happen? God moved a family from Romania, I don't even know where it is, to Logan and found that, made sure that there was one person that was in the shops at the same time who would speak the same language, invite them to church. Now there is a family from the other side of the world who will never ever be separated from the love of Jesus Christ and they will never be separated as a family for all of eternity. Can I hear an amen this morning? (laughs) Astonishing faith. Sometimes it's just ordinary people doing very, very simple things. And God does above and beyond what we can ever imagine. You know, there's a lady this morning after the eight o'clock service says, I remember being at Bridgie when we used to give out 300 hampers at Christmas. I got no idea how long ago that was. But she's just seen as people keep taking steps of faith, just overwhelmed that now two and a half thousand hampers are going out into this community, telling a community that God loves them. It's astonishing faith. I need to finish up. Astonishing faith actually begins with a humility before Jesus. You know, we see a centurion with all power and authority just come and humbly kneel before Jesus and say, only you can do this. I'm a man with great power and authority, but this is beyond me. And he humbles himself before Jesus and Jesus honours that humility. It's a scriptural principle that that God lifts up the humble and that the greatest example of our humility is our commitment to prayer. And I know this church is a house of prayer. I gotta say, Peter and and Nath and others here in this leadership team have taught me so much about how to lead a church in prayer. I'm very, very grateful for this church. I know this is a house of prayer. I just wanna encourage you, don't stop praying. I know there are words of faith scribbled under this carpet and on this wall that God has put in your heart. I wanna remind you today, keep praying those words of faith. Keep believing for revival. Keep believing for a mighty harvest here and across this state and around our nation. Jesus encouraged us, us, us to pray with shameless audacity. The centurion had a shameless audacity That's how he calls us to pray. I wanna encourage you to pray. Don't give up on the prayer that God has put in your heart. 
Stay humble before Him, get on your knees before Him, cry out to God with shameless audacity. There's a humility before Jesus and there's an honouring Jesus above all. You know, Centurion says, I don't even deserve to have you come under my roof. The people of Nazareth said, isn't he just the carpenter's son? Isn't he just Joseph and Mary's boy? Isn't he Judas and James and Simon's brother? They'd gotten so familiar with him that they didn't honour him. I think that can happen in the church sometimes. Jesus is our friend. We're called into close relationship. But we're never to become so familiar with Jesus that we forget to honour him as Lord above all. You see, Jesus did walk as a man on planet earth. He was the carpenter's son. He was Joseph and Mary's boy. He had some brothers. But he was no ordinary man. He spoke to the wind and the waves and they had obeyed him. He healed every disease and sickness. He raised people from the dead. And at the end of his life, the most astonishing thing happened. That the God of heaven would go to a cross and allow himself to be sacrificed. He who knew no sin would become sin for you and for me so that we could become right with God and his dead body was taken down off that cross and it was laid in a dark tomb. But on the third day, some women went to anoint that dead body in that dark tomb. But his body was not there. The stone had been rolled away and an angel appeared and said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Jesus Christ was no ordinary man. He died to forgive your sins. He took on sin, he went through death and he came out the other side alive. He is the living one. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. He is seated on his throne. All power and all authority has been given to him. He has power and authority in Bridgman, in Brisbane, in Queensland, over Australia, over this church, over your life. There is nowhere that his power and authority does not extend to. Worthy is the Lamb to receive all glory and honour and power. If prayer is the greatest picture of our humility before Jesus, then our worship together is the greatest indicator of our honouring Jesus above all. What do you wanna be known for? Do you wanna be a people that Jesus looks at and is astonished by our lack of faith or astonished by our great faith? We must never get so familiar with Jesus that we lose our astonishment of who He is and what He can do in this season. I wonder if there's some of us here today and today's a day to say I'm believing for God to do what I've actually never seen before in my lifetime. For you, it might be this Christmas season just to invite one person to sit in the seat next to you at one of the great Christmas services I know you guys are gonna do. I know this place is just gonna be a place full of hope and joy and love this Christmas. And maybe for the first time ever, 
you're gonna invite someone to sit next to you and you're gonna get to pray with them. A simple prayer as they give their heart to Jesus. Maybe it's believing for God to do something in your family that you haven't seen before, that you actually wanna be the first of generational change. You actually wanna see generation after generation in your family just fully committed to Jesus. And it's time to speak out in faith and love into your family. I just believe as some of you here, and God's gonna call you to, to give with an astonishing generosity. I don't know whether it's to this, these hampers that's uh, gonna bless our community, but I just know there's a call of God on some people here in this room to give with an astonishing generosity. It might not be an astonishing amount to other people, but it's astonishing for you, you've never given like this before. And you're gonna see as you exercise that faith, you're gonna see that God is a God who's able to provide. And you're gonna see kingdom fruit that you've never seen before. Maybe for you, it's, it's actually to step up and to serve for the first time, to be a delivery driver for some hampers or just to reach out to your community in the op shop or whatever it might be. Jesus is just interested in your faith, your story, your season. He's just calling you. There's no, there's, 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 there's no condemnation here. He's never, he never condemns. He never, he, he never pushes away or puts down. He always draws close and builds up. That's what he's like. He wants to do that for you today. As you just say, I, I want you to be astonished at my great faith in this season. If that's you and whatever that means for you, I just encourage you to stand where you are today. And I'd love to pray for you. If you just say today, I want Jesus to be astonished at my great faith. Because I'm believing for something that I haven't seen before. Can I just get you to stand where you are? I wanna pray for you today. Father God, you see every heart in this room and the heart of every person online today. God, you know our heart to, to serve you. You know our heart that's saying, I'm believing God that you can do what I've never seen before. God, I pray that you'd give us courage to walk across the room, walk across the street, walk across the office block and just invite someone to sit in a seat next to us this Christmas season. God, I pray that you'd give us courage to go and take a hamper, whether it's from here or a cooked meal that you make in your own kitchen and just reach out with love to some people who are far from you. God, would you put faith in our hearts today that just because we haven't seen it before, it doesn't mean that you can't do it in this season. God, I pray that you'd give, that just be right now, I just know there's some people in this room that God, you're just putting faith in their hearts to give with an astonishing, abundant generosity. And you are gonna bring kingdom fruit that is gonna bring so much joy into our hearts. It's gonna bring joy to the kingdom of heaven. God, give us courage and faith. God, I pray for those here in this room, you've just got a dream or a vision for your family, a ministry that's gonna reach out to this community. God, right now, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, 
God, we would know that this isn't just our good idea, this isn't our imagination, but this is the work of your spirit in our hearts and in our minds. And God, that you would give us courage to believe for what we've never seen before. God, would you pour out a blessing on this church? God, thank you for all that you've done throughout the decades here at Bridgman. But God, we pray that this season that we walk into together would be a season of mighty harvest of souls for the kingdom. God, put faith in our heart for revival in this nation, in our generation. I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. We're gonna stand to sing this song, this final song, which talks about God of revival, His heart to see um, many, in fact, come to faith in Jesus. This is our prayer as a church. This is our big prayer. We've been praying, we continue to pray. We've seen Him do incredible things. We are believing for greater things yet. And this season is significant. We're seeing God move in new ways, in fresh ways. We're seeing the things that people have been putting their faith and trust in being shaken. There's an openness spiritually. And so we wanna pray with a greater faith than ever before. Come and join us for those 10 days of prayers. We seek God, we cry out to Him. We ask Him to lead Him into the, lead us into the things He has for us. And even now this morning, as we sing this song, I know that for some of you, there are things you've been praying for, for a long time. And maybe your faith has been beginning to wane a little bit. You're thinking, God, can you really move in this situation? Well, I wanna invite you just as we sing this to pray it again for family members, for work colleagues, for neighbours, for people maybe you've been praying for for a little while or maybe someone God has put on your heart for the first time this morning. Lift them up before the throne of heaven this morning in prayer. Over this Christmas time, ask God, ask God to open the way for you to invite others along to be ready, willing, open to step forward in faith in a new way. Because as we do that, incredible things take place. Generations are transformed. We, you, you cannot um, begin to comprehend the fullness of what God wants to do through little acts of faith and obedience. So let's sing this together as a people. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So let's sing full of faith this morning for all He wants to do in this season. Let's worship Him, our God of revival. Let's worship Him, church.
morning we join our hearts together as one, as your people, as your church, the body of Christ. And we pray, Lord, may there be a time where stadiums are filled again, we pray, Lord. May there be times in this city where stadiums are full of people gathering to worship You, great God, gathering to proclaim that You, Lord Jesus, are the Name above every other name is our prayer, that we would see thousands, thousands of people coming into the Kingdom of God, a community, a city, a state transformed, Lord. People sent out to proclaim the good news to our world, we pray, Lord. This is Your heart, Lord. And so we pray for strongholds to be broken down, Lord. We pray in our own hearts that we'd be ready, we'd be available to be used by You. We continue to pour out Your blessing on Your church right across this state and beyond, we pray. Oh Lord, that You would fill us with faith. You'll help us to see from the perspective of heaven, to see things through Your eyes, great God. And Lord, the prayers You've heard this morning of people we've been praying for, Lord, loved ones we care about deeply, friends, work colleagues, mobilise us, we pray in this season, to send out invitations over this Christmas season, Lord, we are praying to begin to stir again, Lord. We would begin again to see people coming into Your Kingdom, people finding hope and life in You. Prodigals coming home, Lord, we pray. People being set free from the things that are binding them, Lord, from addictions and other things that are holding them, Lord, we pray You'd set them free in Jesus' Name this very Christmas season. And so, Lord, we thank You for what You're doing. We thank You that You are moving. We can pray, Lord, that we would continue to witness in our time, in our generation, a move again of Your Spirit, Lord, a mighty move, Lord, where that stream will become a river, Lord, of Your blessing flowing to many, Lord. Oh, Lord, this world desperately needs You, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, move in our hearts afresh this morning, we pray. I want to pray a special blessing for Jason this morning too. As he leads our movement, we pray a blessing over all of our churches, Lord, the family of churches and beyond our family of churches, Lord. A move so great that churches cannot contain the blessing, Lord, is what we long for. But bless Jason, Susan, we pray. Bless Gateway Church in a special way, we pray in this season as well. But we look to You, Jesus, above all, above all else. We look to You and we worship You. We want to tell You we love You. Great God, You're so worthy. We pray this in Jesus' Name. Everyone said... Amen. Church, can we thank Jason for sharing with us this morning? Thanks, brother, so much for stirring faith within us. You can grab a seat. If you'd like prayer in some way, our prayer team will be down the front here. They'd love to pray for you this morning. Uh, and up the back, our Connections Lounge is opening up there. If you're new, you want to connect in with others, head on up there to that lounge as well. But God bless you. Don't forget our hamper table out there as well if you want to help us there. But God bless you. Look forward to sharing again with you soon. God bless.